lifepodcasts.fm. This podcast is a Prime Media Broadcasting production. People are reshaping the mindset of the masses. Africa State of Mind. Alrighty, welcome to this episode of Africa State of Mind. I'm so excited. Uh, the guest that we have in studio is somebody who holds a really important seat when you consider um, the story of, I should say, African people, black people globally. But she really shies away from putting herself um, forward. Uh, she's the CEO of the Oliver and Adelaide uh, Tambo Foundation. Welcome. Thank you very How much are for you doing? having me. I'm, I'm wonderful. I'm so excited to have you here. Besides the fact that you're wearing pink, <laughs> I think it's just like, besides that, I mean, that's like my color on the inside. But, you know, um, I was chatting with my producer and we had a conversation offline about, I was just like, Zengiziwa literally does not exist on any platform. Like if I type your name in, if I type your name in social media everywhere, I'm like, is she a ghost? I literally was like, is she actually going to show up? But you said that there was a real, there was intention behind that. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. I just think that I'm I'm very wary of the time. I'm not a millennial. I missed it by a couple of seconds. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was literally a year. Like just a split. Just, you know, I was so close. But I'm not a millennial. Yeah. And I just found myself a few years ago almost getting pulled into the rabbit hole of social media mm. and of likes and not likes and who I am is determined mm. by a like, you know. And I thought to myself... This isn't who I I want. I need to not get affirmation from the outside world. But then in terms of joining the Tambo Foundation, Mm. it's just very important to me that the the there's no confusion about what my role is. And Mm. my role is to promote, preserve and protect the legacies of Oliver and Adelaide Tambo. I literally have goosebumps when I hear that because that's a further conversation that we're going to go into and I feel that it's a conversation and it's something that leaders across the continent need to understand. It's not about self. It's really not it's about It's really me. not it's, about self. I feel yeah. so humbled to have the position mm-hmm. and to be in a position where I'm able to do this mm-hmm. um, but I, I'm doing it on behalf of yeah. um, these two amazing human beings amazing. who did the yeah. amazing things that they did. Yeah. And I can only hope that I I really even get close yeah. to the kind of footprints that they've left behind. So I want to go a little bit back in time, right? And I know you might shy away from this, but I'm going to try. I'm going to try. Um, so I believe uh, Oliver Tambo came back from exile in 1990, right? Um, Was yes. it in December 1990? My history has not failed me. Thank goodness. Um, so my thing is that at that particular time, where were you in your life? Your family, where were you? Because that must have been, especially if you say that you just miss being a millennial, that means that you remember bits and pieces of apartheid and so forth. So where, where were you in your life, in your family? Well, I was, I, I was not here. Mm-hmm. Um, I came to South Africa in 1993. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was born in exile. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody said to me the other day, we get so used to saying, I, I was born in exile or I'm an exile. And he actually said, that's not a country, <laughs> uh, which was a good Jeez. point. So I was yeah. born in Lusaka, Zambia. Oh, lovely. And then we traveled a lot growing up. Mm-hmm. And in 1990, we must have been either in Kenya or Ethiopia. Mm. Uh, I think... Ethiopia. Mm. Yeah, I think we had just moved to Ethiopia. Mm. So in terms of my my recollection, I have a poster in my house that says Tambo is coming home. I've had that poster for oh ages. It's one of those apartheid posters yeah. and it's got a picture of him with his 
arms in the air. And I just remember feeling so overwhelmed by, I must have been, what, 11, 10? Mm. And I just remember feeling so overwhelmed that it was happening. Like, I just never thought it was going mm. to, I mean, my parents believed, I mean, we wouldn't be here if so mm. many people did not believe. The people of South Africa did, set the townships on fire in the 80s. I mean, the time was coming. But for it to be real mm. and for him to actually land at the airport, which went on to be named after him, you incredible. know, is just, it, it was incredible. Mm. I mean, I heard a beautiful story about that. I believe, I think it was his son, Dali Tambo, who said, literally, they were landing and it was brown from being in Botswana and then suddenly everything was green. And I thought that that was so, you know, it was just such a beautiful image to be able to paint. So you mentioned that you were in exile, which means that your parents must have been quite involved in the liberation struggle or... They were, they were. Um, my father was uh, in MK. Okay. And he left in the early 60s. Oh, wow. So, and he worked with um, Tambo. So he also has a connect there. Yeah. Uh, so I was raised with, I don't have a memory of meeting Oliver Tambo. Yeah. I know it may have happened, yeah. but I don't actually yeah. remember. Because the community it. must have been really small. Exactly. Yeah. So, But there was also a lot of things that were happening that we as children were not necessarily mm. exposed to, you mm. know? So I don't have a memory of him, but my dad was um, in the ANC. My mom was not. Mm. Um, she's late. She passed away five years ago. But I think that within the exile community, everybody sort of was doing something, meaning mm. there were so many links. Somebody might be being a secretary. Somebody else might be a courier. Somebody else, you know, it was, everybody was involved in, in some way. Yeah, that's so incredible. So when you now come back to South Africa in 1993, what was that like? Because that was obviously post-Mandela being liberate, being freed and just before the elections. Yes. Such an awesome year to come back. It It was and it wasn't, you know. Mm. I remember being... Well, when I first, I'd never been in a place where people looked like me. So anywhere I went, I was, I was, and not, and I was the other. And not to say that people didn't make me feel great. Mm. I'm talking physically. Mm. I remember landing in Durban and driving from the airport to where we were going to be staying and saying to my mother, everybody here could be my brother or sister. I'd never Mm. been in a place where Mm. physically, you know, if I was in Kenya, I looked a little bit different. Mm. If I was in Ethiopia, I looked a little bit different. Mm. When I was in Canada, I was one of very few black people mm. in my class. So it was mm. the first time where I literally felt like, wow, this is home because I can mm. physically see myself all over. Mm. Uh, it was amazing. It was amazing. But it was also a very difficult time for our country. Mm. So I was in KZN. Um, oh, that's and that where was we quite, to, and there yeah, were uh, constant yeah. tension. What was going to happen? It's also the year that uh, Tambo passed away, mm. and the year that Chris Honey was killed. Mm. And I remember um, turning on the TV and seeing Madiba calling for calm, mm. and I was thinking, "We have come, we have come home to a war. There's going to be a war here." Mm. And just the relief when. Day in, day out, up until his funeral, there was anger, there was, but there was no real Mm -hmm. just burst of violence, which Mm -hmm. is what, but so many people died in the lead up to the elections and a lot of them in KZN. And I I remember it very clearly. Um, And it was, 
It was scary, but so euphoric, right? Yeah. Freedom sure. is coming. It's like the, I mean, it's that phrase that we hear so often, the best and worst of times at the same time, right? Exactly. That's literally what it must have been like for you. Now, um, you mentioned about how you had a, a poster uh, that Tambo is coming and so forth. And now um, saying that when you, the year that you come back is the year that he passes away. Did mm. a, a part of you feel that, well, what's really happening with what's really going on? It must have been... I think that it was, I think it was, there was something as sad as his passing was. I've heard a lot of people make biblical references, in mm. fact, to being like a Moses who brought home, you know, and mm. survived long enough to bring us back home. Mm. So there was definitely a, a lot of sadness, but there was also um, a sense that I get that, Wow, you 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 did what you set out to do, mm-hmm. and you brought after thirty years. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how many people went into exile in over those thirty years. After seventy six, it was a flood, you know, of young people who left the country. And for me, it's just so poignant that he he came home. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't he didn't die in London or in Lusaka or in one of the many places that he had been, mm. but that he, he he actually got the opportunity to come home. Mm. And that's that's important to me. And I always think, yeah, you did it. You spent yeah. 30 years of your life, um, more than 50 in politics, 30 outside of the country, um, fighting for this thing that so many people thought was not possible yeah. and that would never happen. Yeah. And you brought us home. Mm. And I think it's so important to just mention that um, just within the continent in general, when we think about great leaders like, uh, you know, Oliver Tambo and so forth, it's so easy. History makes us feel as though, of course, it was going to happen when you're in it. But at that particular time, I think it's so important to highlight that with all the different leaders we had around the continent, when they were busy fighting for liberation or whatever the case may be, there was no certainty there was never a level of certainty. It was literally, it must have been like a day by day conscious decision to keep going because maybe just maybe we're going to get there, you know? Definitely. And I think that with the the story of the South African liberation movement mm. and uh, broadly, but Tambo specifically, mm. you can actually trace the freedom of the continent to our own freedom. Yeah. As as states yeah. became free, the frontline states mm. throughout the 70s, we our movement was strengthened mm. because we now had more than Lusaka and Tanzania and it was literally like as soon as I become free, I'm taking you with me, you know, mm. and you just see that from country to country to country, it was a wave and it's like, oh, Angola, thankfully, we'll be able to have a camp there. We'll mm. be able to have a base there. Oh, Mozambique, wonderful. Oh, Zimbabwe, this is great. Because every single time another African country became free, the first thing that their leaders did and that we knew mm. was that, okay, there's another base. Yeah. I remember even in Uganda, Uganda was the same thing. I'm from Uganda and they were even, cause I remember the one time I was, uh, my older sister, she's just a joker. So <laughs> she, she basically started speaking Afrikaans, oddly enough, cause she was trying to talk about somebody. And then it turned out the people who were there understood where we were. I'm just like, and we turned and they were like, Oh, you guys from South Africa were all like, Oh my gosh, it was. <laughs> 
<laughs> it was so embarrassing. And then we went back and we're like telling my dad this whole thing. And my dad started telling us about how the MK camps in Uganda as well, you know, because that was kind of the interactions we had because we were between South Africa and Uganda, consistently South Africa, Uganda, Kenya, like back and mm. forth the whole time. And so it was just so interesting. And we, that's how we found out about the camps. I'm just like, Yvonne, you really just, you almost threw us under the bus there, literally. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you couldn't, because I remember, like, you couldn't, and even as you travel around the continent, as you say, there was a lot of, um, you know, the, the relationship between South Africa and the continent. Although right now it's very delicate, back then it literally was like a family, it, right? It was literally like a family. I mean, these were a group of pan-Africanists mm. pan and powerful, powerful individuals. But when you read the stories, which always gives me goosebumps, mm. Over and above that, they were actually friends. They were homies. Yeah, you know what I exactly. mean? They were boys. So it was not just they they may have met through politics, mm. but then it became personal. Samora mm. Michelle and Oliver Tambo, yeah. extremely close. Yeah. Um KK and Tambo, if you Nyerere, these mm. people there they invested in our freedom mm. and they did so as brothers and pan-Africanists and the understanding that we all, we, we will not be free until the last mm. African is free. Mm. But also this is my friend, you know, mm. this is my, my fellow statesman mm. and he, Tambo got head of state status Everywhere. wherever he yes. went on the African yeah. continent. There he was no confusion did. about what, no, the head of state is arriving yes. because that is how they viewed him. Yes. And, and that's amazing. That's incredible. Mm. So then I guess the question becomes now, how did you end up working with the um, Oliver Tambo Foundation, with the Tambo Foundation? I ask this because I feel as though sometimes when you're born into something, so you were born into a family where your parents were part of the liberation and so forth, it's not necessary that, you know, it doesn't often happen where the children decide, I'm going to continue this. They always seem like there's like, you go like around the way, I'm going to, you know, play basketball, not causing <laughs> shots. You know who I'm talking about, but like all of that, you know, like along the way. But for you, the journey to becoming the CEO of the Tamba Foundation. Um, the journey, I think it's an it's a very interesting question because it's something that I mill through my mind quite often. Um, and that is how how much of how you were raised impacts what you want to do when you grow up, you know? And I have two sisters. One is an author. Mm -hmm. The other one um, is, she works for an investment company. Mm -hmm. And and we've all, there's a thread amongst us that is inherently political because that is how, this is, this was our bread and butter. This is what we were raised on. And I think for, in terms of the, I consider myself a marketer. Mm. That's what I, I'm, I'm passionate about, um, marketing things. Mm. And when I work, I worked, uh, for the Department of International Relations. And there, a lot of the work that I did was, it's called the OR Tambo, um, building. Mm. So it was named after him, I think 2010, 2011. And so a lot of the work that I did there, was naturally with the foundation because we were doing a campaign around Oliver Tambo. So So it was an internal campaign, but it was about his values. And Mm. it it required me to do a lot of research on who Mm. he was and and what he stood for. Mm. So but I think that in terms of a life journey, to be honest, it's something that I have fought. Mm. It's something that is... uh, 
is still difficult for me. Mm. Uh, just meaning balancing what it is I want to do. And I have always wanted to um, work for the foundation. The foundation have, has, oh, I've been aware of it from for the last 10 years. Well, it's been open for six years, seven years, 2011. But I've been, I've worked with them. Um, but I've always just been such a tumble stan, mm. you know, and it's not um, from my time it's literally from birth. From he, the poster. Yeah, it's from the poster, yeah. you know. And for me, it was almost um, serendipity in terms of I looked at that poster when I applied for the job. Mm. And I looked at it and I was like, work mm. with me on this one because mm. I have such deep admiration and respect mm. for Oliver Tambo. And I think that what I've learned since I joined, it's been a year, is that... Uh, there's a lot of respect that I have for Adelaide Tambo. Yes. That I didn't necessarily, I guess I didn't really think about it as much. Mm. And just realizing the role of women in the liberation mm. struggle has been a huge thing for me in mm. the past year because my job is to promote Oliver and Adelaide, Adelaide Tambo. Yes. And what I found was so much fascinating information about her. First of all, there's a paucity of information, and that has says a lot about how women are remembered in history mm. um, and how we define their roles. So I, I, there was, um, if you Google Freedom Fighter right now on the internet, mm. you will find a picture of a lot of men, and you and and you might pull up Matikizela, mm. uh, Mamwini, but generally. The, the role, people speak about female freedom fighters, but neither the word freedom or fighter is gendered. So why we're now making a distinction, female, you know? Yeah. So it was like I got there and I realized I hadn't realized how much of this gives me an opportunity to to speak about gender mm. and and women historically and the narrative through through mum Adelaide. I mean, she was when she was 18 she was voted the chairperson of her ANC branch. Really? Age 18. At 18, and back then? Years before she met Oliver Tambo, you know? This is somebody who had a political consciousness of her own. Mm. And I've just been so fascinated by the story um, because it almost, and it happened also when Mam Winnie died where her narrative was corrected. Mm. Black women stood up and were like, no, actually... This, this is, is how the story yeah. will be told because this is our truth, you know? And for me, it's just been very interesting that there was a crew of women back then that were freedom fighters and their men did not fall in love with them and then conscientize them. No, these were equals. Which is so <laughs> such a powerful statement. Right? Yes. These yeah. were equals. These were the same. They fell in love because, in fact... She met him because she had asked him to speak at an ANC um, at an ANC uh, rally that she had put together. So that's actually how they met. Mm. They met because they had the same interests mm. and the same desire to see equality in this country. Mm. You know. So, and I think a lot of women ended up taking a back seat, or we remember them as having taken a back seat to politics but when you look at you know what is the definition of a freedom fighter 
What is it you sacrifice? What is it you give up? If, if you are the married to the head of state, because Tambo was the president. The, he, for the, he, he, he was the head of state. Yes. You know, and as yes. we, you know, so if you're married to the head of state, what is your role as well that mm. we are not seeing? Who are the, the diplomats that you are hosting and the hordes of children that come from? Because I, from, from what I remember, okay, um, Oliver Tambo was defined by, I believe it was Mandela who said he was the jewel in our yeah, crown. Yeah. And from uh, Mam Adelaide, she was basically the mother of everybody in exile, regardless of what political party they were from. She literally took on making sure that all of the people who left South Africa, when they were in her, the same country that she was, she took care of them. And, and she worked uh, three jobs in order to, because also, where were their salary? I mean, these people were not salaried salary. politicians, yeah, you know. So yeah. there's also sure, that so where your existence is in terms of raising your own children. Mm. You need to make sure that there is a salary coming in constantly while mm. your husband is all over the world, mm. you know. Um, so, yeah, that's for me that there's a definitely an aspect of. Um, a gendered aspect mm. that is very exciting for me mm-hmm. in terms of being part of the foundation. Mm. And now. even at this time in, in history in South Africa where we sit with gender-based violence and, and I feel also with, around the continent with the role of women not being as prominent as what it should be, I think that it's so important. And when I look at their relationship and the way that you describe it, it almost paints a picture of his strength was in her and her strength was in him. It was like a partnership. And we don't have enough of that within the continent where we see this, for lack of a better term, power couple, you know, that literally it was, it's equal. There was not one that was more important than the other, you know? Exactly. And I, I, I mean, for, I think that also kind of feeds into the lecture that we're doing mm. because we, we um, literally sat down and we were thinking, okay, who is going to give this year's lecture? Mm. And we sat down and we were racking our brains. And of course, there's no shortage of names of people who admire Tambo, people who worked mm. with Tambo. I mean, he would have been 102 on this, the 27th of October. Yeah. So that age group, the people who worked with him or were mentored by, for him, they are getting older mm. and some of them were losing them. You mm. know, in 2018, we lost a lot of mm. veterans and stalwarts, almost monthly, you mm. know. Um, but in terms of the speaker, it is important to us that this and exciting for us mm. that this is the first female speaker. Yeah. So I want to I want to understand because I mean the the, the speakers um, Congresswoman Maxine yeah. Waters and she literally I mean just when whenever I hear her speak and when you read about her story I feel like her story is not just a story for like African Americans it's a black story it's like a black story you know for the, the struggles that black people across the world have had Definitely. when you kind of look at it so just. Even, I mean, she makes sense in that context, but talk to us about the thinking around her. Yeah, so she makes sense in that context. And because she went viral with mm. Reclaiming, Reclaiming My, my time. time, 
appreciated the opportunity to meet reclaim with you in my time. several times reclaim in my when time. we were doing our, our reclaim in my time. The time belongs to the gentlelady from California. <laughs> because she went viral. And i that's where I heard about Maxine. Yeah. So that was, what, three, four years ago? Yeah, it was two about ago? two and a half yeah. years ago, yeah. So, um, and that's where I then began following her and yeah. completely fell in she love and been like, fire. oh, we love Auntie yeah. Maxine. But um, when we were looking for who we could get to ask to deliver the lecture very early this year, we went through um, the list of all the people who have won the order um, of the Companions of Tambo, mm-hmm. which is the highest national order that is given in our country for people who are not South African citizens. Mm-hmm. So we were scrolling, scrolling, scrolling down the list, and then we were like... <gasps> Congresswoman Maxine Waters, Waters. is yes. that you? And we were like, hey, you know, we were <laughs> reclaim so your time, reclaim your time. And yeah. so we immediately reached out, obviously ran it past my board. And what was important for us was that this is a woman who's 81 years old. Mm. Um, she has spent 40 years in public service. Mm-hmm. Um, She's like 81 going on 60. Yeah, 80, 81 going on <laughs> if just not 50. younger than me. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. And she, um, and we started reading up more and more and more about what she, and I had always known that she was an anti-apartheid a mm. supporter, you mm. know, of the anti-apartheid movement, but I hadn't known the depths to which. Mm. And she literally, 12 billion US dollars, which is a record, was divested from the California state um, pensions after eight years. She lobbied for eight years for them to divest in apartheid South Africa. That's Um, incredible. And eventually she won, you know? And if you look at it historically, it was 87, 88 when the move, the sanction movement literally began to cross over into governments where mm. where people were now saying we will not invest here mm. not just the masses which is where it came from a groundswell a global groundswell mm. so you know she hosted tambo she knew both tambo and, or oliver and adelaide uh she organized a uh for him gave him platforms basically and it was so interesting to me because the the they talk about how she f- filled a standing only church trinity church is that in chicago um, in in la in la okay um with people to come and listen to tambo speak and to to pass on that anti-apartheid um message you know and so this is somebody who was committed to fighting injustice on behalf of and with the people of south africa when we were kids, you know, long, long before it, it, this was something that she committed herself to doing. You know, when Madiba was released, she was part of the welcoming um, team that toured the States with him because of all the contributions she'd made. So for me, it was a she's a powerhouse. Mm. Either Period. way. Yeah. Then she has this amazing history with the movement and with Tambo. And then she's a feminist. Mm. And it's like, hello. 
young people, yeah. young women get her. So yeah. I'm not, you know, we're not bringing somebody where we have to now yeah. explain exactly who she's she is. Very much, it's, she's it's, just across. Yeah, she's across the board. She's very much, for lack of a better term, she's very much also in the center of what popular culture is now, right? Mm. With people having a voice. Like people look up to her. They're like, well, if she can speak, exactly. I'm also going to speak. I'm going to have my say. I'm not going to have somebody walk all over me. You know, and she's fearless. And I'm going to be, she's fearless. Yeah. And in terms of reaching out to her, we, we, we were laughing. You're like, dear. <laughs> we were laughing in the office the other day because um, we needed to do something for one of her profiles, you know. And mm. we looked back in when I went through my emails and we went back to the first where we actually went to her website mm. that says, would you like her to possibly speak at one of your events? Mm. Email this number. I mean, email this address. Mm. And that's where we started. We literally had no contact details. Yeah. There was no, you know. We there was just, no connection. There was no, no hookup. We yeah. found some later. But yeah. then, but we then had it no was like conne- starting we from scratch. Like, what, are we, what are we doing here? And, and we kept looking at each other like, Congressman Nice and Waters is not going to say yes. You know, like. In the middle of everything that's happening, you like, know, come on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then. Um, we we received an email back saying, basically, for Tambo, what are you talking about? I'll see you oh, there. Oh, wow. And we had to rearrange the schedule because she has to be in Congress yeah. on, on Monday. So she is flying out on, she arrives on Friday afternoon. She's spending a day in the country. Mm. She's delivering the lecture and on and Sunday leaving. she leaves. Yeah. And to me, that is also testament to her commitment to the country mm. and how much she she has that relationship with us. But it also speaks to Oliver Tambo. Mm-hmm. And I've I've literally found that one of the the easiest parts of my job is to get people to speak about Oliver Tambo. Mm. They they and I sit and um we're always laughing with the team because I'm like, hey let me write a letter. Because I write a letter and I just say, I, you know, I don't know you from Bar Soap. Yeah. You're a whole big important person. But do you think you could speak at X event or for, and people are just like, for Tambo? Yeah, mm-hmm. sure. And I just think it speaks 26 years after mm-hmm. he passed away. There's still literally an army of mm-hmm. people who have so much respect and who have, who have, grown up to be important people themselves or who have grown up to have big roles within society. Mm. But for Tambo and by default, the foundation, they always have time. And it means it means the world to us. So, so let me ask with regards to the foundation. And I ask this because, you know, foundations are tricky business. They can be tricky business, you know. Um, sometimes the foundation's... Uh, there seems to be almost like a not seems to be but it's like there's almost like a lack of like are they really serious are they really credible what is it really about so I guess this question I should have asked right at the (laughs) beginning but why does the um, Oliver and Adelaide Tambo Foundation exist why does it exist now in 2019 it exists well it was it was founded in terms of our board we have um a number of, I would say, friends and family of mm. the Tambos, Dali, Rachel, and Tembi, Ambassador Tambo, are on our board. 
Albie Sachs is on our board. It was it was started by a group of people who felt that it was important that his legacy and the values for which he stood continue to impact society in a, in a positive way. So that was where we came from, from a starting place. And then we've done a, a number of projects over the years. I would say that the uh, Tambo Lecture is perhaps the most visible of the things that we do. But we have projects such as the uh, Nkantolo project. So Nkantolo is where uh, Tambo was born Mm -hmm. in 1917, behind the Ngele Mountains. That's a book. Um, So he was born there, and we have a project there where we give sanitary pads to young girls, Mm. well, girls, to keep them in school. We do this twice a year. Mm. And the idea also linking... Tambo as a an educator and somebody who was so passionate mm. about education. And so that is one of our flagship projects. Another thing that we do, I think it's 1,000, in fact, I'm sure it's 1,400 girls a year mm. in these four schools. And again, in terms of the work the foundation does, there's so much more. We're, we're tiny. Mm. We're all female. Yeah, awesome. Um, and all youngish it's relative i'm the oldest person there i was once young five years ago (laughs) i I was a youth but um in terms of the the work that we do i think there's so much Nkantolo is somewhere where we want to grow that that project as much as possible we've gotten so people give me suggestions always um from a good place of course oh why don't you have the reusable pads because there's no water those those schools don't have water. They don't have sure. so many of the And those basic, are things that we don't think about. And these are the things, you know, mm. you can... Yeah, so it's something where we want to grow that project as much as possible, but um, we're doing what we can at mm. the moment. And it really has gone from strength to strength mm. over the past three years. Mm. Another thing um, which is really focusing on ethical leadership, uh, focusing on leadership skills and developing young people is the Passing the Baton Conference. And that one is really dear to my heart. And again, it was based on the realization that all of the people who knew Oliver Temple are getting older or are leaving us. You know? yet, yeah. And so that is a conference where we bring children from eight schools together and different different schools right so it's very important that we target the developing or the underdeveloped areas but for us it's also important that we target the private schools because the tumble story needs to be told to everyone just a segment of our population and many of us grew up with knowing who Tambo was, knowing who Madiba was, knowing Sisulu, it's in our songs, it's in our culture. Whereas if we keep talking to just ourselves, there's a, these are the people That's that so they're powerful. going to grow up and work mm-hmm. with. These are They need to know as well mm. the history of this country. Mm. So it is a mixed conference, mm. um, both men and uh, girls and boys, but also from private schools as well as mm. from township schools as well, from Model C. And that conference is called Passing the Baton. And the reason being that we, with that realization, we wanted to give an opportunity for kids to learn from people who learned from Tambo mm. firsthand. Sure. So we we 
have almost our, our value base and we split the day up mm. into different va- tumble values. Um, and then we have people who either knew him, worked with him, or or espouse his values in, in, in how they lead. Mm-hmm. Um, come through and spend a day with the kids and literally what is ethical leadership to you? You know, what is integrity to you? There, the, the, it, Not everyone has the same definition. So it's not so easy as to say, you must do something like this. It's more, let's start by defining it. And mm-hmm. let's start, start by coming to a mutual understanding of what it is in the first place in order to then start saying, this is inspiration and this is what I want to be like. Mm-hmm. So that's another big like project that, that we yeah. have. Sure, I really like that. And now, just for you, when you think of the uh, when you think of Oliver Tambo's legacy, and we spoke about it briefly, I mean, I ask this because of where we sit, um, not just as a country, but where we sit as a continent, mm. right? What do you think is something that that we can learn from as a continent that is clearly missing? Because as much as there's all these awesome things happening, there's never been a better time in the world to be African. There's yeah. never been a better time when yeah. you look at just the influence and so forth with regards to, you know, African culture and so forth. And we've got some amazing leaders that are sprouting up in different countries and so forth. But I suppose it's that whole thing of like when we can, as Africans, we can criticize ourselves, but don't like somebody else. If you're not yes. African, don't <laughs> please just respect yourself. You're not part of the family. Right. So for you, from that perspective, what do you think is missing that we that we can learn as a continent from Oliver Tambo's legacy? Um, I think that's a that's a big question. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think it's an important it's an important question because for me, Tambo's legacy is is can almost be traced in, in as a footprint across this continent. There's no place that he didn't go virtually mm. in the world, you know, telling the story of what was happening back home. But for me, it's the lesson of brotherhood. It's the lesson of unity. And these defined borders that we insist on mm. um, that are literally just that. They were mm. created by colonialists. Mm-hmm. And and there was an understanding that Tambo and, and his counterparts had that we are the same and that uh, and that you know i really i shy away from the term ubuntu because it's so used it's so you know we all know what we mean but that that what i think what he can learn what we can learn from him is how he interacted with and the support that he was able to get from people across the continent mm. and and it's important to me that it's not just leaders it's it's people. People were bombed. People lost their lives um, in other countries so that we could enjoy the freedoms that we have today, mm. as, as they did in our own country. You know. So for me, the 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 solidarity—that's the word I've been looking for. The solidarity across countries and across borders that existed and that was harnessed and that was groomed in the time of tumble is something that we can all mm. learn from you know these these um xenophobic skirmishes but and and i i don't think it's 
I think in terms of South Africa, there's a lot that we can learn from him by learning his history because there are people who don't know mm. the places that he went and the way in which people responded to him in those places and the risks that they took to protect him in those places. So I think one of the the um, long-term legacies of Tambo for us as a continent, um, not just as South Africa, is the power that existed in solidarity across borders for a very long period of time throughout the liberation movements across the continent. Mm. There was just the formation of the OAU, now AU. There was just an understanding as Africans that with the diaspora as well, that we have to stand together Mm. if we're going to overcome um, all of these challenges, not just in South Africa, across the continent. And we did, right? We, we Country by country, bit year by bit. after year, yeah. bit after bit, struggle after struggle, yeah. we won. Yeah. You know, won. And, that's, and, and we would not have been able to do it if we hadn't done it together. Definitely. That's how we're going to end this conversation. Definitely. So wrap Africa State of Mind. Thank you very much. For Thank you very much. Head to lifepodcasts.fm to find out more on the positive changes people are making on the continent in Africa State of Mind. Subscribe to this podcast at lifepodcasts.fm or on your favorite podcast app. Subscribing to a live podcast is free.